And at each place, you hear the same message. Do something. For God's sake, please do something. Remembering the 21 lives lost in Uvalde a year ago today, the continued effort to push for change. More beneficial rain falling today. We'll time out when the next round of rain arrives in first warning weather. And adding another person to the presidential candidate list, the announcement that is happening as we speak. Well, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson is under scrutiny once again. The House General Investigating Committee this morning heard hours of detailed allegations of misconduct. Thanks so much for joining us at 5. I'm Daniel Marine. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. Now, that committee has the power to recommend impeachment, which could lead to Paxton being removed from office. They started investigating in March, looking into a proposed settlement to use state funds to pay more than $3 million to settle a whistleblower lawsuit. Now, now that case stems from a lawsuit filed in 2020 by former staffers who accused Paxton of corruption. They were fired from the attorney general's office after claiming Paxton misused his office to help a campaign donor. Now those accusations led to a federal investigation that's still in progress. And this of course comes as Paxton is calling on House Speaker Dade Phelan to resign. Our Ryan Chandler heard the hours of evidence this morning and brings us the latest. A House panel with the power to recommend impeachment lays out hours of evidence implicating Attorney General Ken Paxton in abusing his office. General Paxton directed actions against a charitable organization in Texas. These actions were to benefit a donor. Attorneys specializing in public corruption laid out evidence of crimes alleged against Paxton, including accepting improper gifts from a wealthy donor, two felony counts of securities fraud, dereliction of duty, and retaliating against staff who raised ethical concerns. They're just some very serious facts. At issue now, Paxton's settlement with whistleblowers for $3.3 million. Paxton's office authorized the settlement, but it's up to the legislature to approve the payment. Paxton went on talk radio to give his side of the story. Look, I don't know. This, this is uh, unprecedented for what, what they're doing. Uh, I have no idea why they, they've chosen to do this. We, we settle cases all the time. If they didn't want to pay it, it's, it's in their hands to either pay it or not pay it, and we knew that. So uh, this is a level that uh, is shocking to me, especially from a Republican House. Paxton seemed to reference potential impeachment, writing, It is not surprising that a committee appointed by Liberal Speaker Dade Phelan would seek to disenfranchise Texas voters. Dade Phelan is a conservative Republican. Paxton called on him to resign Tuesday, just hours before the committee announced the investigation, as the evidence mounts. So do calls for action. Public officials in Texas are not and should not be above the law. So we're going to call on the legislature, the House of Representatives, now to move to impeach Ken Paxton. And Ryan joins us now. So Ryan, what exactly is the next step here? Well, if the House Investigative Committee does choose to pursue impeachment proceedings, which all of the general wisdom that I'm hearing in the Capitol leads us to believe that is the committee's trajectory, then the process looks very similar to how it does in Washington. The articles of impeachment will start in the House. If they do vote to impeach the Attorney General, then those charges will then move on to the Senate, which has the power to convict and potentially remove him from office. Now, there is one key 
key difference between how this works between Washington and Austin. At the Texas Capitol, when impeachment charges are pending, the Attorney General actually has to vacate his office, give up his official duties until those charges are, are disposed of. So the House actually wouldn't even need to vote to impeach him uh, to, to get him to remove himself from office, at least temporarily. Okay, Ryan, we know session ends on Monday. So do lawmakers have to get this done by then? So normally the, the session would have to wrap up. The lawmakers would have to take care of all of their business by May 29th. That's the final day of session just five days from now. This is different though. This is something that the legislature can take on unilaterally. The speaker could call this up and they could take it up after Monday. So they do have a little more time. They will be working through the weekend though. So we'll see how that shapes out. All right, Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, it's a few minutes after five and it is kind of a cool May afternoon. It's only 72 in Llano, 84 in Austin as temperatures have spiked with the sun coming back out late. Now the radar has been active all day from the early morning storms to some more rain this afternoon. This is about as quiet as it's been though. Dry from Austin eastward as earlier rain has long since cleared. The last little showers that we'll see today, I think, decaying very quickly right now over Llano County. This is after some really nice rain though look at this nine tenths of an inch almost a full inch today in the city pushing our monthly total above average to 4.29 out at the airport pretty healthy day as well about eight tenths of an inch pushing their monthly total over three inches coming up i'll show you who got two inches just in the past 24 hours we're also tracking when the next round of storms is possible and your holiday weekend rain chances pray for the idea that we all come into this building with only one goal that's to make our community a better place, to make it safer for our kids, to give them a chance to live their best lives with hope and beauty and love. And I pray that the world we leave them is better than the one we received. One year later, and people are still praying for change. At the state capitol today, Senator Roland Gutierrez and fellow lawmakers honored the 19 students and two teachers killed in the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde exactly one year ago today. The honoring and the mourning continue beyond the capitol grounds. In Uvalde, some families are asking for privacy. Some want the support of those around them. Regardless, they're all still searching for justice at a local and national level. Basil John reports. God bless those 21 blessed souls lost in this day in Uvalde. On the first anniversary of the elementary school shooting that took the lives of 19 students and two teachers in Uvalde, Texas. We're thinking of you. President Joe Biden honored the victims and continued his calls for Congress to take action and pass legislation that addresses gun violence in the country. I know for a long time it's been hard to make progress, but there will come a point where our voices are so loud, our determination so clear that we can no longer be stopped. The U.S. Department of Education reports 135 school shootings so far this year, with 19 of them resulting in death. We cannot normalize in this country the death of children. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona says that there is something fundamentally wrong if lawmakers value guns more than the lives of students. It's not a Democrat-Republican thing. Ask the parents of the 19 children whose lives were lost, the lives who were lost at Sandy Hook. We're talking about lives of kids. Some Democrats say they won't stop pushing for change 
as a way to honor the lives lost. I hope we don't come back here in a year with the same amount of nothing to show for these grieving families. Reporting in Washington, I'm Basil John. And following the shooting in Uvalde, top state officials, including Governor Greg Abbott, touted the Suspicious Activity Reporting Network and the reporting tool iWatch Texas as critical ways to alert police to potential violent crime or mass shootings. But new DPS data we posted in the investigative section of KXAN.com shows the total number of those reports actually dropped last year by nearly 30% in Texas. Now nearly 7,700 in 2020 compared to about 5,400 last year is what that report found, and that trend appears to be continuing. In the first four months of this year, Texans have submitted about 20% fewer suspicious activity tips compared to the same period last year. That's everywhere, but on school campuses, it's a different story. Reports submitted to Texas's school safety network about possible threats are on track to set a new record. A closer look now at those numbers online at KXAN.com. The Texas House has requested a conference committee to help hash out some last-minute changes to a bill to close the state's so-called dead suspect loophole. Now, under a current law, an exception lets police withhold records in criminal cases if the suspect has not gone through the court process, including if that suspect is dead, like in the Uvalde shooting. Now, the bill is one of the only remaining measures pushed after the tragedy that is still on track to become law. However, a Senate tweak to the language of the bill was not accepted by the House, and inside sources tell us some concerns. There are some concerns that the change would actually make the law less transparent. So we're going to continue to follow the status of this legislation in these final days of the session. You can catch up on our six years of investigating this widespread issue. We have a link in this story in the investigative section of KXAN.com. After the break, the latest person to announce a run for president and why he's being called a rival in the Republican Party. Plus, new details in the case of a man whose body was found in Ladybird Lake in February, what the autopsy says about how he died. And mental health issues in children reaching new highs, what the city of Austin is doing to make sure kids get the help they need. Well, after months of looking like a candidate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is making it official today. He is running for president. DeSantis is joining an expanding field of GOP contenders and is seen as former President Trump's leading rival for the party's nomination. Now, DeSantis is making the announcement in an unconventional way, an audio-only conversation on Twitter with Elon Musk that's set to start soon. Musk says he is not endorsing any candidate just yet. Meanwhile, former President Trump is calling DeSantis, who he once endorsed for governor, quote, disloyal, and says that he needs a, quote, personality transplant. Other candidates in the Republican Party include former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Well, we now know the cause of death of 30-year-old Jason John found dead in Lady Bird Lake earlier this year. The autopsy report determined that it was an accidental drowning. Now, the report also notes someone saw John throwing up and falling into and under the water. They tried to help him and went to a nearby hotel to call 911. That report adds John had no significant injuries, including fractures or trauma. It shows alcohol was in his system, but no illegal drugs. Now, of course, we'll dig in more to these findings and we'll have those for you coming up on KXAN News at 10 o'clock.
Also nice to be in this pattern where we get periods of rain and thunderstorms, especially over the hill country each day where we need it most. With the continued rain, Travis is up an inch today, but Cannon up two inches, still though 11 feet low uh, compared to normal. Coming up, your first warning forecast and one more round of rain that's possible. More young people are dying by suicide, according to newly released data. Austin city leaders are trying to do something to help out. And our Jayla Washington reports on the Ask, Listen, Talk, Repeat campaign and its mission to keep a very important conversation going. I got a picture. Amanda Crossland's son, JC, seemed happy once. Bye. But it's been about seven months since his family lost him to suicide. Pure torture grieving. It's been very difficult. Crossland is glad to know more conversations around mental health are happening, but wants this new Austin campaign to do more than just talk. What we need is um, acceptance. I mean, it needs to be a I'm here for you. According to integral care data over the past five years, suicide rates among people younger than 24 are up 65%. Crisis calls are also up and so are mental health emergency visits. Ask, listen. It's why Austin leaders are trying to reach more people before summer break. So this is the deck of cards the city of Austin is passing out as a part of its new campaign. And each of these cards has a list of questions really meant to be conversation starters, asking things like what was the best or worst part of your day to day? Really trying to help parents and anyone really talk to kids. Out of a, over 130 caretakers, over 85% of them said we don't know how to start the conversation with our teens and with our children. Because the stigma is so real in the black community, we weren't allowed to talk about it. These efforts will help to lower the negative stigma that is still associated with mental health. For Crossland, she'll continue to be a part of the conversation for her family and others. Even in the darkest of times, no matter how you feel, you can still be a light. Jayla Washington, KXAN News. An integral care therapist created questions in the new deck of cards that are being passed out. The city says you'll be able to get these at community organizations and libraries across the Austin area. Well, this week, the U.S. Surgeon General issued an advisory warning widespread social media use among kids and teens poses a significant mental health risk. He says it needs to be addressed immediately. Now, that advisory states 95% of kids and teens ages 13 to 17 use social media and that the use results in both heightened emotional sensitivity that can lead to lower life satisfaction. It also says social media use can lead to eating disorders, low self-esteem, and depression. Typhoon Mawar barreled into Guam as a powerful Category 4 storm today. It hit the U.S. Pacific Territory with high winds, heavy rains, and a dangerous storm surge. Now, this is the strongest storm to hit the U.S. Pacific Territory of over 150,000 people in decades. Oh, wow. And you have a fascinating tropical satellite image. We're still watching that monster crawl away from mm -hmm. Guam. 145 mile an hour winds as it hit that little island there to the right of the storm. That, for a little perspective, is even stronger than Hurricane Harvey was, a high-end Category 4, if you're talking about the Atlantic scale of hurricanes instead of typhoons. Austonian weather cam back here at home. The sun is coming out for the first time all day. 84 degrees after spending much of the day in the 70s because of the clouds and the rain. Over the past 24 hours, look at this. That complex of storms did a number. One to two inches of rain for many sites on the map. Two inches on the dot northeast of Tau out in the hill country. 1.75 in the bucket in Jonestown. 
Even in East Austin, we got about an inch and a third. You can always find your rain totals on KXAN.com. Same weather pattern we've been talking about. And just to be transparent with you, it is a very difficult weather pattern for our models to forecast for whatever reason. This northwest flow high in the atmosphere bringing down these little chunks of rain and thunderstorms at will. The high pressure is still in the same place. And we are watching another complex develop as we speak near Raton, New Mexico. This one, too, may ride that flow into our area. None of our models are doing a great job. I think this one, though, doing pretty well with what to expect. Dry weather is back right now, and that will continue through the evening. Even through the overnight, I don't think we have a big complex of storms coming quite yet unlike what we saw last night. But by tomorrow morning, the clouds from that same complex of storms starting to pour into our area. Notice some rain and thunderstorms approaching the northern hill country. Now, some of our models kind of decay that rain morning and midday as it arrives here, but it is still possible that we see some rain and storms from that complex, especially in the hill country during the day tomorrow. We're going to go with about a 30% chance of rain, most likely west of Austin, and that may actually be kind of the last rain that we see for several days. Here's the rain coverage tomorrow just widely scattered. Chances are you might not see much, but look at this. Rain becomes even harder to come by Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as we kick off Memorial Day weekend. On Monday, though, the Memorial Day holiday, we return to this uh, pattern with a few scattered showers and storms each afternoon and evening. Make sure you download our KXAN weather app for lightning alerts if you'll be outdoors enjoying the pool or the lake. In the tropics, we talked about the typhoon out in the Pacific, but Atlantic hurricane season starts in only eight days. Believe it or not, we have a little area of interest off the southeast coast. Only a 10% chance of development as it drifts northward into the Carolinas. Not expecting a big storm here and no impact to Texas, but a reminder of what is around the corner. Tonight's forecast, 66 with dry weather and partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, 30% chance of storms, mostly cloudy, and high temperatures again cooler than normal at 84. We dry up and heat up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Here come some more scattered afternoon and evening storms, though, Monday, with wet weather continuing at times through much of next week. A former Austin police officer charged with murder. The work happening today, so the trial can get underway tomorrow. The trial for an Austin police officer charged with murder could begin tomorrow. Opening statements in 31-year-old Christopher Taylor's case originally expected to begin today, but the court needed to extend jury selection. Taylor is accused of shooting and killing 42-year-old Michael Ramos during a confrontation with police at a South Austin apartment complex in April of 2020. KXN's Brianna Hollis was in court as attorneys questioned a roughly 50-member jury pool. She tells us what to expect moving forward. Well, cameras aren't allowed in during jury selection, but we were able to observe the process. Jurors are being asked about their availability because the trial is expected to last weeks. Other things attorneys are asking the jury pool, their feelings and knowledge about law enforcement and District Attorney Jose Garza. This week, KXAN spoke with legal experts not related to this case who addressed the difficulties in selecting juries for police use of force cases. I think there has to be some analysis of what's happening in those moments when when the shooting occurs and uh, there's always an angle from the self-defense perspective of putting yourself in the defendant's shoes. What did he experience? What did he find to be reasonable and how would we perceive that if we were in that same position? Jury selection began Monday, but an error led a judge to dismiss that jury pool. Ken Irvin, one of Taylor's attorneys, told us the courtroom doors were locked while the state conducted jury selection, which isn't allowed. So the judge had to dismiss that jury pool, pushing everything back a day. As for Taylor himself, 
He remained straight faced during today's jury selection. Reporting from the Travis County Courthouse, Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, it is Chicago Wednesday. We have Chicago Met at 7, Fire at 8 o'clock, and PD at 9 o'clock before we're back with KXAN News at 10. And of course, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 o'clock on the CW Austin. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.